Good morning. Welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. I'm Philip Sitton, one of the ministers on the staff here. We have some folks that are obviously absent. Our youth minister and many of our youth are actually on their way back from midwinter retreat. They should be here by the time this service concludes. And our pastor is home in bed with the flu along with many of our other members. So we need to pray for them, for their patience as they recover, and for God to touch all of their lives in this time of a little bit of a stress. Get their attention and let them recommit themselves to him and him to them. And it turned out to be a very positive experience in spite of the negative part. So we're glad you are here. If you are visiting, I met many of you on the way down the aisles, and I know that we have several visitors, and we are thrilled to have you with us. There's cards like this in the pews, on the back of the pews in front of you. If you would be gracious enough to fill those out and let us know something about you, we would like to connect with you to, to give you more information about the Calvary family and what we do and what we are about here. But just know that you're welcome to be a part of this service. We encourage you, as well as our members, to participate in all parts. The singing, the listening, the scripture reading, all of that is put together so that by the time we leave here, we are inspired to be God's people out there, as well as God's people in here. So join us now as we sing together this anthem.
almighty God, God who stretched the spangled heavens, thank you for your concept of you as our heavenly father. It gives us a way to grasp your unconditional love. We are humbled that the great creator loves his creation so tenderly, so completely. Forgive us when we allow our own biases and fears to close our ears to your still small voice, to hide our eyes from the path which you place before us, to harden our hearts to the people around us. This morning as we worship together, make us aware of the things in our lives that make us unlike you, the things we say and do that tarnish your image for those who see you through us the things that keep us from discerning your will in our lives. Great Creator, give us guidance till our goals and yours are one. Amen. give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, for they have heard the words of your mouth. 
They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the naughty he, he perceives from far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. A reading according to the Gospel of Luke. As the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various kinds of diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on each of them and cured them. Demons also came out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Messiah. At daybreak he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowds were looking for him. And when they reached him, they wanted to prevent him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he continued proclaiming the message in the synagogues of Judah. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. by the water we never will run dry so living water flowing through god we give the lord of you in our hearts and flood our souls with one to show them who you are. So living water flowing through, God, we thirst for more of you. Fill our hearts and flood our souls with one desire. Just to know you and to make you know we lift our name on high. Shine Love unstoppable, anything is possible. Joy 
come down. I've got something in this box that I want to share with you. Come on down here. Wow, I haven't seen y'all since last year. Well, good morning and thank you for coming. You know, today we are starting a sermon series uh, in our church about a really important word that begins with the letter P. So I got to thinking about P words. And you know that I'm a scientist, so I got to thinking about animals that start with the letter P. And I brought one in this box. So I'm going to give you some hints. So I'm thinking of an animal that starts with the letter P, and it's black and white, and it's fuzzy, and it eats bamboo, and it's a? Panda. 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 You know, we call them panda bears, but pandas aren't bears. They're actually related to raccoons. I don't know why we don't call them panda raccoons. They're not bears. They're not bears at all. Do I have a panda in here? How about a bird with green feathers and it flies around and where it's hot and it eats uh, mangoes and it eats bananas and I used to catch these in my backyard. Yeah, they're parrots. Maybe I have a parrot in here. Hmm. Maybe this is an animal that lives in Texas and it lives up in the trees and when it gets scared it pretends to be dead. A possum. A possum. Or how about a fish? Can you think of a fish that starts with the letter P? A piranha. So which one do you think I have in here? Well, of course I have a piranha. What else would I have in here on Sunday morning? Of course I have a piranha. This is a red-bellied piranha. And when an ecologist or a scientist like myself sees an interesting animal in the environment, we think, what's the role of that animal? What does it do in the environment? What's its function? This piranha, by the way, is a red-bellied piranha. It's called a red-bellied piranha because it has a red belly. We're a very, scientists are so smart. So you, this is my red-bellied piranha, Pete. So this is Pete the piranha. And what's the function of Pete the piranha in the environment? We might ask, what's the purpose of Pete the piranha? Now, what are some clues as to what Pete the piranha might do in the environment? What are some clues? Okay, he swims, and he swims really fast. This is a really fast swimmer. What else? What do you see? What do you see on the piranha? Teeth. Teeth. Wow, these are really, really sharp teeth. These teeth are really amazing. Uh, These teeth are razor sharp, and if it bites, uh, it just bites chunks out of stuff. And if it breaks a tooth, it's not a problem because piranha teeth replace in sets every so often. Not quite like shark's teeth, but they replace and they stay razor sharp. So this thing has really sharp teeth. It has eyes, but its eyes aren't really particularly good. It's sort of average eyesight for a fish. What it does have is it has a nose, and it can smell things in the water. And what do you think it smells the most? 
blood. You know, when I was growing up, I used to catch piranhas because my parents were Baptist missionaries, and my mom used to help me catch piranhas. When she was fixing lunch, uh, she would save some bloody meat, and when we got where we were going to visit a small church on the river, and after we got finished swimming, then my mom would tie that bloody meat on a string, and we'd dangle it over the side of the boat, and then we would start fishing, and we would catch piranhas. And it was great fun. You just have to be a little careful when you take them off the hook. <clears throat> and I discovered later that not all moms are like my mom. <clears throat> what do you think is the purpose of Pete the Piranha? Well, its role in the environment is to eat other things. That's what it does. It's equipped to eat other things. It swims fast, it can sense blood, and it has razor-sharp teeth. What's the purpose of Pete the Piranha? It's to eat other things. What do we call something that eats other things? A predator. Oh, lots of peas today. The purpose of Pete the Piranha is to be a predator. Let me ask you about another animal that starts with the letter P. What's the purpose of people? That's what we're going to be studying about the next few weeks. What's the purpose of people? Now, people get real confused about the purpose of people. And some people think that the purpose of people has something to do with our job. Well, maybe, but probably not. You know, I'm a scientist. I think science is really, really important. I like to do woodworking. I actually made this box. Um, in fact, right now I'm working on learning how to make a rocking chair because someday I think I'm going to have grandkids, and I want to rock that, those grandkids in a rocking chair that I made. I'm learning how to be a woodworker. <clears throat> but my purpose isn't to be a scientist, and my purpose, as cool as it is, as interesting as I think it is, isn't even to make a rocking chair for my grandkids. The purpose of people is more important. It is. It has to do with praising God. In the next few weeks, we're going to learn that the purpose of people is to be part of God's plan. Now, exactly how you're going to fit into God's plan is going to depend on how, how God made you and how you are. But I can tell you, just like the piranha is supremely equipped to be a predator, God has provided you with all the resources you need to be part of his plan and fulfill your purpose. So I hope you will listen today, and I hope you'll listen the next few weeks as we learn about a really important P word, purpose. And you can bet, and you can be sure that God has prepared you for his purpose, just like he prepared this piranha to be a predator. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for providing for us. We thank you for your leadership, and we thank you that you have created us with a purpose, that you have given us something really, really important to do that's more important than this world, but that importance will go into the next world. Father, open our eyes to hear, open our, open our eyes to see, and our uh, ears to hear. And Father, most of all, open our hearts to understand what you have to say to us today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'll see you all infused one of these Wednesdays very soon. My name is John, and I'm a three. It's Enneagram language. Some of you knew I would say it. And it sounds a little bit like an AA introduction, so I'll go with that. My name is John, and I'm a three. And that means that I'm addicted to seeking success and whatever it takes to win your approval. I'm learning to admit that I am powerless over this addiction, and consequently, my life has become unmanageable. I've come to believe that a power greater than myself can redeem me. I make a daily decision to turn my personality and my life over to the care of God's love. 
I've been a professor at Baylor for 15 years in our School of Social Work, and I've loved every minute of it. But too much of it has been focused on chasing after success. For much of my journey, I have been focused on discernment, on making sense of why I am here, what is mine to do, why I'm in leadership, why this work matters. But at other times, my tendency has been to focus on whatever my dean, beloved, beloved Diana Garland, wanted me to do. I live for carrying out whatever dreams she had for us as a school. I enjoyed it all. I loved her through all of it. But I didn't always know what was mine to do. I didn't always know who I was apart from who she wanted me to be. And then she was gone. I stepped into the, the role of Dean of the newly named Diana Garland School of Social Work, as many as predicted, at least as an interim. The university had to decide if that was a role for me or someone else. And I had to decide who I would be in that role. I had to discern who I was as a leader. I learned to pray in a new way and listen in a new way. I can no longer ask, well, what do you want me to do? People knew I could do things. They knew I was a leader who was always on the go. But not everything in life is a task to be accomplished. That was hard for me to learn. That much of life is relationship to be experienced. As a three, I knew I had to lead less with my hands, not even so much with my head, but more for my heart. That's not as natural for me. I can make it look natural, but that's because I'm addicted to seeking your approval. But listening and leading with my heart was not always authentically me. Knowing who I am, knowing how to meaningfully connect with my faculty and colleagues were lessons learned in discernment. And it took a lot of listening to my life. My wife, yes, but also my life. As someone who desperately tries to balance family, life, and work, I had to listen to my wife and children in new ways. And losing Diana, and then a year later, my mom, I had to listen to my grief. And listening to my feelings is not my forte. As someone who lives for success, I had to accept real and possible loss. I had to learn to submit to God in a new way, to my colleagues in new ways. I had to listen and welcome new things. So I learned to pray this prayer from Thomas Keating, the welcoming prayer. Hear it with me. Welcome. Welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it is for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, actions, feelings, and emotions. I let go of the desire for power and control. I let go of the desire for affection and esteem, approval and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. 
and I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within me. Amen. In the end, I was named Dean of the Garland School. I continue to hold the Diana Garland endowed chair, but I realized I was not asked to lead her school. To fill her chair or her shoes. I was asked to be me, to fill my own shoes and to walk my own path. My temptation is to find someone new to please and perform for, but that is not mine to do. And so I have to let go of it every day and welcome the tasks that are mine to do, the relationships that are mine to nurture, and to be the leader God is calling me to be.
What does it mean to discern? How do we do it? It is, some, is it something we do individually or something we do as a community? What's the difference between discernment and regular decision-making? How do we learn to become a discerning person or a discerning community? As we begin this new year, likely nothing is more on our minds than the intention to do better, to do better than we did last year in our decision-making. Perhaps all of us have something about which we think we need to make just the right step in this new year. Maybe it's about a major or a job or a spouse or a friend, a situation involving a child or a parent, and the list goes on and on of the decisions we have. For many years, I've been highly interested in the whole process of making decisions as Christ followers. Questions of calling, questions of vocation, questions concerning how to follow Christ faithfully. What does it mean to discern? How is it that some people early on in their life find a path, a vocation, and they stay with it, they stay true to it for decades, while others of us seem to be called down paths that zigzag from here to there and we're constantly changing, and as a result, sometimes feeling insecure and doubting ourselves? What does the Bible offer us in our quest to be more discerning people these are questions that we will be exploring in the coming weeks. I don't know about you, but for me, I can't think of a better topic or a better subject for us to talk about in this beginning of 2018. As you know from what Phil said earlier, Mary Alice is out with the flu, and contrary to what Phil said, Mary Alice is not in bed with all the other people in our congregation who have the flu. Um, um, he didn't actually say it that way. He did earlier, though. Uh, and and I found some uh, pleasure in that, um, in um, thinking about, wow. But you've missed Mary Alice's presence already today, uh, and you missed Mary Alice last week. As Mary Alice and I discerned um, in the last couple of days what to do, and I used that word intentionally, and that we tried to make a good decision, how could we keep this new worship service, this worship series moving forward and we decided that I would share with you her already prepared work on the sermon, uh, and then we would open up this topic to all of us in true discernment, and we would um, ask some questions at the end. So as I begin with Mary Alice's words, I want you to think about there will be some questions at the end, okay? So as a true teacher, yes, there will be questions at the end, so be ready. As we look back on this perhaps familiar scripture that our friends read just a few moments ago, let's consider. Jesus had spent his time in Capernaum teaching, preaching, healing the sick, and calling out demons. At the end of the day, he goes by himself to a deserted place. But the crowds of people follow him because they are afraid that he might leave and they don't want him to go. Jesus could have responded with frustration. We wouldn't blame him if he said, won't you people just please leave me alone for five minutes? But even when Jesus is surrounded by crowds of people with various needs of their own, all begging him to stay, he is so clear about his purpose that he doesn't even flinch. He says, if you recall from the scripture, I must proclaim the good news for the kingdom of God to other cities, for I was sent for that purpose. What amazes me here is that the very, is a very tactful way that Jesus said no to the people. He knows that there are people who still need him in this town, but he says, it's time for me to share the message in other towns. He says no to worthy needs in order to say yes to the mission to which he has been called. And you know what? his response is probably terribly frustrating to the crowds of people who surrounded him. If you can imagine if Facebook were popular in those days or even available, what might have been posted about him? Maybe some less than pleased comments about the decision that he made to leave this town and go to another to accomplish his purpose. 
But when he took time in prayer in a deserted place by himself, his mission became completely clear. Jesus knew that the work that he was called to do was indeed his to do. I thought it would be helpful for us to begin this year by thinking about the purposes to which God has given us in our lives. Of all the various needs surrounding us, what are the things that you and I must do? Understanding our purpose then helps us to discern out of all the good and even the very good things that we have available to us, what are the best things for us to do? Or as Parker Palmer says it, what are the things we can't not do? What are the things we can't not do? And Palmer says, vocation at its best, at its deepest level is not, oh boy, do I want to go to this strange place where I have to learn a new way to live and where no one, including me, understands what I'm doing. He goes on, vocation at its deepest level is there is something I can't not do for reasons I'm, I'm unable to explain to anyone else and don't fully understand myself, but they are nevertheless compelling. Of course, while discernment is sometimes about the big things like jobs and vocation and calling, it starts with little things. It begins in our everyday lives. Throughout this series, we will be exploring what discernment looks like, in big and in small ways in our everyday lives. We often live as if we think we know what's best, and we tend to trust our own pro and con lists. How many of those have you made and have I made and, and still make? Not to knock pro and con list. But what would it really look like to trust God to give us spirit-led discernment? And what would it take for us to truly follow what it is that we feel then discerned to follow? In an effort to live out the sermon today, and in a sense model what is often the communal process of discernment, we're going to hear from each other now. As is often our practice here at Calvary, we're going to ask some questions and learn and grow from the shared experiences that are offered. In other words, I'm about to ask some questions. I'm about to bring the mic around for you to offer some input. As I discerned what to do today in this service, I thought about uh, emailing some of you and saying, would you please be willing to share something, or would you please step up and say something? I decided not to do that in my trust for you. So my response to you now is, uh, don't leave me hanging. Uh, but more importantly than that, actually that's just uh, being funny, what I'm really wanting to say here is that we need to hear from you. I can't think of a time when we've talked as a congregation and we've asked questions when I didn't go away inspired by the words that you all said. Every single time that happens for me. So our first question um, is this. What is one of the big purposes God has given you in your life? What is something you can't not do? because it's part of what God has created you to do. And how did you go about discovering that? So any part of that question you're free to respond to. What's something you can't not do? How did you discover that? And um, how, what is it that God created you to do? As I look around, I see many of you who I think embody that very, very well. What is something about that? Jonathan. My name is Jonathan, and um, Jennifer and I, if you know us well, we are about as night and day from one another. Um, I'm fairly spontaneous, and she's uh, rather planned. Um, but one thing that we have found together that seems to be the thing that knits us together more than anything, is that God has called us to a, to a constant sense of hospitality. That we are to be people whose biggest desire is really to bring people together and let them share through each other's joys and sorrows and triumphs and struggles. We were able to do that with uh, a life group in our home for a really long time. And this sounds really silly, but it's the truth for me. It's the reason that we host a tailgate spot 
called Creekside on the Brazos. We feed about 100, 150 people. And I cook all night just for the sake of people getting to eat together. Honestly, I don't eat hardly anything on those days because it's more fun just to sit back and watch and rest. So um, for us, uh, our calling, my calling really is to be about hospitality, bring about making a welcoming place for others. Thank you, Jonathan. Somebody else, what is something that you can't not do? Someone else. Don. Uh, to keep it simple, I can't not respond to a cry for help. Wow. Beautiful. Sherry DeHay, what is something you can't not do? I have something in mind, but I would like to hear from you. I can't not say no to Randall Bradley. Um, I've been thinking about this, though. I think the two pulls in my life, and you all know we lost mom um, a few days ago, but the pull to care for my family is very strong with me, but also the pull to care for children, to teach them to learn to sing God's goodness and mercy. And over the last couple of years or so, God's really helped me know how to balance and do both of those things. And I didn't give 100% to mom and dad, and I didn't give 100% to kids, but I was able to continue to do what I know God's called me to do, and that was um, discernment and with a lot of help from him to go, do this, don't do this. It's okay to say no here. Step up. You can do this today. It's interesting, isn't it, how when we hear the stories of others, I don't know about you, but I find myself being so grateful that these people say yes to the things that they say yes to and that they do the things that they can't help but not do. Yeah. Have you ever had to say no to a good thing in order to say yes to what God was calling you to do? What was that process like? Have you ever had to say no to something really great to say yes to something that was best? Has anyone had that experience? Okay. Um, I had patrons who were willing to pay for me to study music uh, in at the school I wanted to go to, and they were willing to pay for housing for anything. They offered to pay for an apartment for myself and my sister. Uh, and music is sort of how I've validated myself my whole life. I'm a one, sorry. Uh, but what I felt called to do instead was to take some time off of school and to stay home and to care for my mother when she had surgery. and. The, um, the time that I've spent with my family and sort of relearning how to view myself without school as a validation, I think has been a transformative experience for me. I'm really happy I did it. Thank you. Somebody else, what is something that you've, a time when maybe you've said no to something that was good to say yes to something that was better? Okay, you know I will call on you. <laughs> so, no, I'm just kidding. Not really. All right. When I was 24, I moved to China, and I wanted to find out if I could teach. That was the primary question. Um, I spent a year there teaching at a university in the Northeast, and then while I was there, I felt a, I discerned a sense that I should go to seminary. So I applied to seminary from China, which was interesting because we had to like smuggle the Christian faith statements out of the country so it could get to the university um, in Vancouver. And I spent then one year in Vancouver. And while I was there, if you've ever been to Vancouver, there are a lot of um, Chinese people in Vancouver. And I felt like huh, maybe, I'm, maybe I should be back in China. Um, and so I, I went through a very extensive application process to go back long-term to China without completing seminary and uh, was right on the cusp of going back and somehow through some, some prayer and some insight from other people in my life, um, I 
discerned and felt that I should actually stay and finish seminary. Um, and it radically altered the course of my life and ultimately brought me here um, where I'm continuing to study teaching. Um, but sometimes I wonder what might have happened had I gone another direction, but I know that this is a good direction. Okay, Brenda. When we moved here in 2000, I had previous, the year previously been in the middle of a PhD program at ODU, which was a very good thing. And Randall almost didn't interview at Baylor because he knew that I was in the middle of this program and it would mean my discontinuing it and for the move. But we together said, I said, you can't not interview because we've made a practice all our lives not to say no before we knew what was behind that partially open door. And so, of course, one thing led to the other, and here we are, um, and have been since 2000. But in saying no to a good thing, I actually, without knowing it at the time, was saying yes to a better thing. And so through a process of several years and now teaching at MCC, I have honestly found the place that I feel like has been the, the um, most beautiful place in my career that I've ever been. And so to have said no to, or to have said, saying no to a, a good thing opened the door to, for God to work beauty in a, in a greater thing. Thank you, Brenda. Can someone share about a time when you sought discernment from God and you ended up doing, going a different direction than you had originally anticipated? I think we actually heard two of those stories uh, where you were going one direction and you thought that was it and you ended up going a different direction. Anybody have a, another story related to that? Well, let me ask the last question then. What is something that you're in the process of discerning that we as a faith family can join you in praying about in the coming weeks? What is something that you're discerning now that, that is on your mind and your heart and that we can join you in, in praying? And I think all of us would need that, wouldn't we? So what, what is something that you're dealing with right now? Yes, here we go. I am relatively new to Calvary. Um, I moved here from outside of Chicago, um, where I had spent six years um, going to seminary and waiting to get a job. Um, it was two years after I graduated and nothing was happening. Um, and through a series of events, I realized that I really wanted to be near my family. Uh, my brother lives here with his wife and their four children, and I really wanted to be a part of my nephew's and my niece's life. Um, so I picked up and moved to Waco. And I'm still trying to figure out this time where I'm with my family versus this time where I need to be with a vocation. And I don't know long, how long I'm going to be here, and I don't know uh, how that might work out. Um, but that's where I am. Thank you, Sarah. I've got a friend, Patrick Posey. dear friend of ours, Patrick Posey, many of you know him as well, is um, suffering from brain cancer. He's been struggling along with that. And so, yeah, we're just working with how to be a friend and how to care and to remember to pray for him. So, thanks. We're going to see him again. Thanks. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Karen. Sarah is the person who put together the Advent display that you saw take form and that you saw finally uh, have lights on Christmas Eve and you saw uh, be so beautiful. So thank you for sharing your gifts with us in this time. Something else that you're discerning right now that you need us to pray about, a decision that you have coming that's uh, something that you could share in a public way or would be willing to do.
Well, I recognize, as I know a lot of us in this room, there's things that I've shared in the last couple of weeks with different ones of you about which I need you to pray with me um, about how can I write another book or not? Or is that the most important thing for me to do? Or should I be doing these other things? Or should I spend more time with people or more time with this? Or all these things are I struggle with right now. As I look around some conversations I've had with some of you, you're, some of you are graduating this semester and you're struggling with where do I go, what do I do? You've put things out there for people to respond to and the responses are not coming in and you're not hearing the way that you wish you were. Um, some students I've talked to recently are uh, questioning about majors, and is this the major I need to be in? Is this really where God would lead me? Is this what I need to do? Wow, that resonates deep in my own soul. Um, I tell students all the time that I dreamed as at their age that I would be this um, 50-something person and would just be absolutely confident in what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I'm still saying, God, what is it you want me to do uh, when I grow up? Uh, what is it you really want me to do? What would you like for me to do most? What are the most important things that I do rather than just the things that I do? Those are tough, tough, tough decisions. Thank you for offering some input to us collectively today. We've drawn strength from that. I look forward to these next few weeks as we, uh, from now until Lent, when we look at this subject uh, in the five-week series but there will be much for us to gain, much for us to learn, and uh, much for us to share. So thank you for uh, jumping into this discernment process today. We close today with a prayer, a prayer that is listed on the front of the worship folder. It's one that I've prayed in nearly all the big decisions of my adult life. We're going to pray it together, but I encourage you to cut it out of the worship folder if you're kind of simple like I am, or you could Google it. Uh, but put it somewhere where you're going to see it often, somewhere where you can see this prayer. It's a prayer that uh, will encourage you. And let's pray it together now as we, as we close this time. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will does not mean I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. If you're here today and you made a decision that you would like to share with us, perhaps a decision to join us in this faith community, just follow God in this place, a decision to know Christ for the first time and accept the salvation that is available through Christ, or perhaps you need someone to come alongside you, someone to pray with you as you look to this new year. There will be ministers in the back to receive you and visit with you during this time. We're going to stand now in a moment, and we'll sing the hymn, um, Higher Ground. Let's stand.
And all that you give us has been given to be shared and given away. May we remember the poor this morning in our offering. And may we rejoice with Mary because you, God, promise to lift up the lowly and fill the hungry with good things. Amen. As we look at this week, there are many things in our church to which we can be involved. There's an announcement page that's in your worship folder, and I encourage you to look at that and find some places that you could be involved. As was mentioned earlier, our youth will be returning uh, even now. They may be outside waiting for us, but they'll be returning shortly, and it's our prayer that they've had a great uh, retreat and a wonderful time of renewal. Several of you were new Wednesday night. It was glad to have, good to have some good new people uh, Wednesday night. So thank you for that, and we encourage you to be involved there. Now hear these words as we depart. May God the Father prepare your journey. Jesus the Son guide your footsteps. The Spirit of life strengthen your body. The three in one watch over you on every road that you may follow. Amen. And we'll sing together. Go now in peace. Amen.